What's up, bros? <clears throat> What's up? Dude. We're running short today. We don't have Mark and Saul with us. Where's Mark Particularly and Saul? Particularly on the ground. On like the like the one day when we have a big corporate merger. <laughs> Somebody's going to need to go through EBITDA and the multiples. I mean, shit. I don't man. know any of that. This is Mark and Saul's time to shine, and he's not here with us today. <clears throat> exactly. But big news, obviously, Diamondback acquiring Endeavor. Huge move for uh, shale industry and for Midland. What's the uh, what's the initial take, guys? I mean, I was I wanted Mark for the official take because this is the CEO of Diamondbacks quote. This combination meets all the required criteria for a successful combination, including sound industrial logic with tangible synergies. Have to throw synergies. You gotta always. have synergies. Improved combination capital allocation and significant <clears throat> near and long-term financial accretion. <laughs> I mean, you've got synergies and accretion in one, basically, quote from the CEO. We've got synergies and we've got accretion. It what do you all, think, guys? It checks all the boxes. It does. You know what's funny is I just met uh, Travis Stice for the last or for the first time two weeks ago when I was there at their office. He didn't know that they had invested in us, so I had to run him through what digital wildcatters <laughs> and what what we do. Um, but great, great guy. Had a really good conversation with him. Um, you know, I'm excited about this acquisition. You know, because when Pioneer got acquired, there's very much a sentiment of from people in Midland that it's negative for Midland. You know, Pioneer did a ton. Yeah, for the city and for the area, and so it's a little bit sad, like a loss for people. Um, but this Endeavor deal, I think that this is huge for Midland. Um, you know, and I think that it's way better than a Chevron or Exxon coming in. Wait a minute, you're them, saying so. Exxon's not local, bro? <laughs> it's, it's the original OG. <laughs> it's the original OG. Yeah. Um, so back to my point was that I think that. Uh, Diamondback acquiring endeavors huge for the city of Midland and will be a great long-term move for the city as well. So personally, I'm excited about that. Well, uh, that's that's always been historically part of Autry's deal is he wanted to leave it to a Midland company. And so yeah. kind of not not surprising on on that front that, uh, that he'd do that. Yeah. How many lawyers do we think right now at Exxon are like busy scouring the breakup provisions of the deal to find out if they get a, <laughs> another bite at the apple? Yeah. Do we get one? Yeah. Not get one. I mean, if you look at Permian barrels of Permian oil equivalent per day, um, this new combined entity will produce roughly eight hundred sixteen thousand barrels, which is which is in in comparison, Chevron's about eight hundred fifty seven thousand barrels. And the combined Exxon Pioneer entity is roughly 1.3 million barrels. So it's actually going to be a pretty damn big. I saw uh, someone Permian tweet shop. that, and I can't verify this off my own numbers, but I saw someone tweet that the uh, Exxon Pioneer uh, acquisition plus the Diamondback Endeavor acquisition <clears throat> accounts for 50% of all Permian production. That'd be 2.1 million barrel. I bet it's is it BOE a day? Yeah, uh, right. BOE a day. Yeah, so sounds that's getting close. Yeah, sounds right, getting real close. Yeah. What's interesting in the news, and we'll have Mark unpack this when he's back. But 
they purchased it for under $4 million per acre. And la uh, earlier when we were talking about Oxy's purchase of Crown Rock and Exxon's purchase of Pioneer, they're way north of $4 million an acre. Location. A location. Yeah, not, not per acre. Not per acre. Uh, per net acre. All right. Yeah, location. You're right. Yeah. Net acre. Good, good point. Thank you. The um so so here's kind of my take from the just big picture looking at it is I always thought that if you won an acquisition, you overpaid, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the, but you the, love that, the, didn't you? The the value of something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The uh the value of something is clearly the normal distribution of everyone's opinions. If you're buying, you're over here on the high side. Right. What's interesting when you start looking through what happens, though, is the economics go to a horizontal on one section versus a two section. <clears throat> and I don't know if they've hit three uh, three mile laterals down in the Permian yet like they've been doing in the Bakken. But just the magnitude of that and what it does to the the economics, you truly can overpay for something, if you will, if you're if you're stacking up concentrated acreage positions and so when you look at that map and zach copland's got a really good map he put out on twitter and maybe we'll get um get uh jacob to pull that up and post it in here peter soto karens sent me a really good map that's out on twitter too that we'll pull up and you just look at the overlay and acreage <coughs> positions i mean this is this is you know hand in glove so yeah, yeah there really might be something here to where diamondback plus endeavor equals three yeah as opposed to, to one plus one so yeah um chuck it's interesting have you ever heard of the winner's curse phenomenon in economic theory actually auction theory but, sure um it was actually addressed in 1971 by three atlantic richfield petroleum engineers who claimed the oil company suffered unexpectedly low returns year after year after acquiring oil lease um <laughs> through auction because whoever won it always overpaid for the asset and so um well, I, it's I, always like, find, I always found it funny how this literal economic theory and, and auction theory was originally applied to oil and gas petroleum engineers damn yeah. right damn right the um the 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 funny thing uh about that is we used to always say around the office you literally think more about that asset than any other person on the planet and the line was always how many people are there on the planet these days seven billion <laughs> eight billion you know whatever whatever it was eight you think more of it than eight billion people so no, but the uh, the market loves it. I mean, the the bottom line today is uh, we're recording this. At, call it one forty five on Monday. Stocks up ten percent. So I mean, it looks like like Diamondback made a really good deal. And this this is a unique asset. I mean, I don't know if y'all know a lot of Autry Stevens stories, but they're great. I mean, late seventies, he founds the company. Literally the cheapest person on the planet. Last time I talked with Autry it was about 10 or 11 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, and uh, he was sitting in a middle seat on a Southwest flight next to me. And I was literally like, come really? on, Autry, you're worth a billion. He goes, hey, you see how much that business select ticket costs? It's expensive. I was like, okay. You know, it's funny is um, 
did y'all ever see the show uh black gold that was on discovery channel well it was a reality tv show about roughnecks yeah and the first season it was big dog drilling which is Achi's drilling company and it was like longhorn and there was like a third third one and they're all in a competition but i don't know if Achi just saw like the the marketing potential of this or not but they got rid of the other drilling companies and then just honed in on making it a reality show for big dog drilling and anyways uh I drilled right out next door to him. So um, I would run into the guys all the time at the corner stores. We're heading out to the rig <clears throat> and <laughs> get this one time. They invited me to a pool party with the production crew uh, and they wanted wait. to get me on the, sh- they wanted to get me on the show, which is funny because a pool party. Yeah. And where is this? This is out in Midland. Do they have pools in Midland? Dude, we got tons of pools. In right, Midland. It's the middle of a desert. Yes. You got <laughs> pools. And, uh, anyways, they wanted to cast me for the show. I always think about how much different my life would have turned out if I was, uh, if I was on. Digital wall cars would have had a whole yeah. meeting, wouldn't it? It's not yeah. like you would have been sitting around on a camera. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Speaking of that. Bloviating Chuck, about whatever. Now Chuck's over here auditioning for Netflix shows. I, I did. Chuck? Here's, before we get there, <laughs> yeah. I have a question. As I'm okay. looking at you, Colin, I'm wondering, are you really an oil field guy? or are you Because you seem to be an office guy. <laughs> And are, I'm, I'm are you talking, somebody called, called, called me the other day a digital dude, right? Yeah, I had it. Let's dude. just, just let, let's bring that tweet up. What was that tweet? Because I've had such a kick out of this shit. Because I was wondering, am I, should I be offended for being a digital dude versus a finance bro? Well, we need, now we, need to, we need to let our listeners have I been know promoted? what's going on. All right. All right. Well, this okay. is what Spell happened. This is what happened. Was there's this lady, Sharon. From North Texas up in Dallas. It's always running around with the FLIR camera and whatnot. And anyways, uh, she's just not a intellectually honest person or capable of objective thinking. And so we're kind of picking on her a little bit. And then uh, railroad Texas Railroad Commissioner candidate Bill Birch, who Bill knows me, I know him. Uh, He kind of got defensive about something I said. I can't remember what it was. And... um, Anyways, we started. When you called him an ass, or no, 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 no. I've never kidding. said that. Yeah, never. yeah, that's yeah, what. No, no, Bill. Bill's like he said. Should the oil and gas industry not be monitoring their methane and yada 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 yada? And I was like, is that what I said? Because it wasn't what I said. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I didn't read too deep into this. I don't have time to. And so everyone was like laughing. Like, how are you making comments without like actually thinking or reading about what you're what you're talking about? Anyways. Then he tells Sharon that he makes a comment that he's like, well, digital wildcatters are a bunch of digital guys. They don't work out in the field and doing this. And it came off as him talking shit. Bill said on LinkedIn yesterday that that's not what he meant, that we all misinterpreted him. It seemed like he was talking shit to Dude, me. Dude, this is hot off the press. Seemed wow. like he, yeah, it seemed like he was talking shit to me. And so, of course, <clears throat> you know, I had a, like, you don't talk shit to me on Twitter and not, not get it back. So we're going back and forth. If Bill... I, I actually believe Bill. So that's not what he. Do we yeah. have him on the show? I, I, I believe. Like, yeah, I like, that's what, I like Bill. We'll get Bill on the show. Yeah. That's what. That's Let's what get I was. Bill on the show. Yeah, I was Bill's confused why Bill show. was coming at me because I was like, I know Bill. Bill's a friend of mine. Yeah. Like we've yeah. talked, and so this is an open invitation for Bill to come on the show. I'd love to interview Bill. Yeah, and I think you know, I think that he was misinterpreted. But anyways, yeah, I did get offended by the dig that I'm a digital guy and not a field guy, <laughs> which I'm not a field guy anymore. I don't work out in the field. You know, my hands are soft. 
sitting here doing fucking podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you had to turn the the podcast machine on, so that's yeah, that's I did. Work. I had to turn the cameras on and the microphone Damn, dude, on. That's like... work, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, that's the latest. But that, you get no respect is the bottom line. I get no respect because when I used to roughneck, like people told me I didn't look like a roughneck. You know, I'm a pretty boy out there. I didn't know how to use a pipe wrench and shit. And then now here I am, and it's like, oh, you're not in the field. And I'm like, damn. No matter son, what you do, I'm blowing anywhere, shade, man. This man. is my this is my sub story. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, you know, going back, let, let's let's cross back over to Twitter in this. Uh, Diamondback deal because there is some speculation that Diamondback is posturing a little bit doing this and defensive maneuver uh, because One World Petroleum is on the scene now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've got uh, it. We got to talk about this. Too. We got to talk about too, One this World. This is Petro- one of my favorite uh, Twitter things that's happening. <laughs> Dude, lately. this thing's at over a million views. This is crazy. So you know we're at Nape and. Nape has this, uh, there's this this booth right in the middle of the uh, showroom floor. And I mean, this is an expensive a Fucking booth. big booth. Big man. booth. Awesome booth, man. Like they actually crush it <laughs> on this booth. I had booth envy. This company, yeah. One World Petroleum. I'll have Jacob pull up the, uh, the Were you their booth, it. babe? Chuck. I was not the booth, babe. <laughs> All right. So $100,000 booth. I was at the booth. booth, but keep going. Keep going Chuck Colin. is our booth, babe. <laughs> uh, got this really nice Fiverr logo, booth babes, and then they're giving away this $20,000 watch. And so I started looking into <laughs> Which I was trying to figure out this why the why a watch of all things. But Yeah. Hey, dude, oil guys. Do roughnecks so, wear Rolexes out on the <laughs> patch? Landman do. That's yeah, it. That's yeah, yeah. Good after land, man. Because that'll rip that, that that'll rip your arm right <laughs> off, man. Best watch I ever lost. So I started diving into the company. You know, they got four employees. Uh, two of the guys come from residential real estate. One of the guys is a real petroleum engineer, and then they have an executive assistant. And anyways, I I look pull up the CEO's bio. Y'all want me to read some of these because they're oh yeah, hell it's yeah, brilliant. it's funny. So, uh, CEO Alex. Ottawell is his last name, and all of this is pulled verbatim. Once reigning over the dynamic realm of real estate investment, Alex focused on the flip and fix space from 2011 to 2022. He single-handedly revolutionized the space with his niche. At his peak, he simultaneously managed 15 to 25 mobile home projects utilizing his own in-house curated renovation teams. Such was his prowess that he earned the esteemed nickname, the King of Trailers. (laughs) hold on let me let me uh okay a seasoned maverick a relentless innovator and an influential leader alex ottawell continues to break boundaries and redefine the possible one thing is certain his journey is just getting started and the world can expect many more incredible feats from this 32 year old unstoppable i bet they received fifty thousand resumes (laughs) they probably did get a shit ton of deals from my post, so I make this post, and all I did was take stuff from their website, and this post has got 700,000 views on that, but over a million from some of the retweets, and my inbox is flooded with some of my oil friends trying to contact him to sell off their PDP deals. <laughs> so one of, the, one of the single greatest moments in my career when I was at Stevens, because everybody knew the Stevens family had money, so they'd call us to try to get us to invest. I get a, I call, and I always, whenever I got a business plan and I read it, I would call back and just 
even if it's to say no. So I call back, I go, hey, this is Chuck Yates at Stevens. Uh, I wanted to follow up with the business plan you sent me. Swear to God, the guy covers the phone. He goes, hey, man, did we send Stevens the oil and gas deal or the internet deal? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was so glad my answer was no there. (laughs) So, yeah, um, Nape was was fun. Lots of activity. You know what I want to get a shout out to? Harold Ham for just being a, like, chill ass dude so like he's just hanging out at the four seasons bar with everyone nate Hell tells yeah, me dude. he goes up to the front grabs his badge like everyone else does waited and, in line yeah yeah <laughs> i think that's pretty cool like nate's got to be the only place where it brings in someone like harold ham and he just dude he's it, like, a, i mean he's else. a man of the people i mean he that's mo- m- most oil and gas except the big internationals you know yeah yeah well i mean it, it, the, the greatest thing about our industry the oil and gas business is at one point, everyone's been broke yeah. or publicly shamed and humiliated or Absolutely. you know what, whatever you want. Yeah, so you've been humbled. Nobody's at up, but you can walk. You can walk up to Harold Ham, broke, and just say, "Harold, what about this?" And he's going to help you out because yeah. every, everybody else has been there. Yeah, I always say, and I also think that's why Houston, Texas, has the greatest people on the planet because we've all been broke. I always yeah. say the CEO yeah. of the oil and gas company when times are good, hundred dollar oil. Flying around in the private plane with his best friend, who's the janitor of the oil and gas company, and then when times are crappy, the CEO is sleeping on the janitor's couch, and they talk about how much fun it was when they were flying around <laughs> yeah. on the plane. Yeah, so, I just wish I knew you when you were rich. Oh, uh, dude, it was fun. <laughs> I'll be the it, janitor. <laughs> oh, it, it was baller. We had a uh, we had some uh, we had some good stories at Nape. So ranking <clears throat> Nape, kind of, and I. I went to Nape first time back in like ninety four, ninety five. So I've, oh, I, yeah, I've, I've I been didn't know you were that old. You could like, yeah, probably dude, you play can a be that sixty five year old on, on, on Netflix. On the, that, <laughs> that just hurts coming from y'all too. So everyone that's listening, Chuck is auditioning for this role. I won't say what show. I don't know if it's private or not. But Mo, have, Mo season two. Yeah, so Mo season two. Mo Amir, the Houston uh, comedian, yeah. is funny. And Mo, first, first season Mo was season great. one's great. Yeah, yeah, first season was great but they want chuck to play a mid 60 year old dude and so his feelings are a little hurt yes although i did get i did get asked to audition so i will say that but uh so my they, they seen you on tmz so many times like oh shit we got a superstar here i actually i actually sent in uh the footage of me doing stand-up on stage with whitney cummings so that was <laughs> i did do that but to get back to to nape i kind of felt enthusiasm kind of like vibe you know are we back i'm gonna say you know peak natural gas beginning of shales like oh five oh six in there were the craziest kind of nape vibes i felt this was kind of like a five to a six so definitely better than 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 average but at the same time not just buzzing uh well, we're I back we're reset. taking over the world jake and i were talking about this because this year seemed a lot higher energy in the city especially than, those that one world energy yeah, yeah they the brought world, it yeah yeah that, that's that's just who brought it but i think a couple things happened over the last the the last couple years one each last year and the year before there were winter storms that kept people from getting down here 
Okay. And someone brought that up. I was like, oh yeah, you're that's right. That's a that's true. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, man, it just seems like there's more people in town and the energy's high. So that probably played into it. But Jake and I were talking a little bit about some of us should be concerned about the 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 weather in general. It's getting crazy. There's weather events. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> anyway, <change>. sorry, keep <laughs> going. <laughs> Leave it to Kirk to throw in some snarky remark there. Uh what was I saying? Oh. But Jake and I were talking because the first, like, we didn't get to go to Nape in the 90s because we were only, like, five. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like, peak, peak Nape was, like, shell, you know, 2000, right. like, 12, 13. And it's just probably never going to have that buzz to it again, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that was just Well, let me ask you a question. I think you got to reset Since you're a digital bro now. Mm-hmm. And you don't really have, you have no more Midland cred. You just are an office digital guy. <laughs> Let me ask you, has Nate's, Nate, not Nate, Nate's Nate? grass, sort of grassroots vibe gotten stronger? So all these like the meetup parties that were more grassroots versus the big parties that everyone knows are going to go to. I felt like there were more, there was a lot of, a lot of parties, but a lot more grassroots connections through like social media, through different connections. Yeah, I mean, Landman. What Life's, do you think about that? Landman Life's party was great, and that wasn't a big, blown out party. You know, that was just, yeah, it was just hundred people from Twitter. Yeah. And, you know, we went to but, but a, a lot of Tampa really after. connected people in a way that was more organic or through social than it was through big name company acts throwing party. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. And I think part of that's just the times, right? I mean, it is people, the times. You know, we're kind of, if we got it, let's say we got to whack two or three years out just for COVID, you know, so it may be in starker contrast than it would have been kind of gradually had we done that all through COVID. But, um, yeah, I think there was a lot of grassroots, but also I think there's a time and place like opportunes party was badass. Like you have, Baggett always throws a great party. You have bottle girls hanging from the, uh, what do they call them? Not streamers, but they're like doing the aerial. Stripper poles? No, they're doing no. like, they're doing like aerial <laughs> yoga. Aerial <laughs> yoga, like hanging from the ceiling, yeah. pouring drinks. Like that's over the top. Cool, cool shit. So, Dude, which is interesting because a couple of my opportune guys didn't invite me. Ooh. I mean, I got invite during the circuitous way because I knew I, that was going to be a good party. But like, what's up? With you had that? to ask. Uh, you I had mean, to ask. I, I get had it. My assistant asked for me, <laughs> which is me. But no, yes. I've kind of, I've kind of, I've kind of noticed the parties I've gotten kicked off the the list. Uh, v and E doesn't invite me anymore. Oh, I still Dang. got that one, but I mean, my uncle was a partner there too for thirty years. I don't know. I, mean, I, got I think big. you're more of a liability, probably, Chuck. <laughs> big what? liability because Kirkland was still wanting me there. <laughs> Come on in. Kirkland was a great party. They they had over three thousand people at their night party. Huge. That's crazy. They had the seven one three venue. Oh, I saw where, that. Where we'll have Empower coming up, and they're for, giving out cowboy hats. Yeah, for years they used to have Robert Earl Keen play it. Now the last few years they've had Ryan Bingham. That's Bingham, yeah, the Bingham. Yellowstone, yeah, guy. Yeah, he was really good. Well, what else happened in the world of energy? This, I mean, we got some, we got a big Permian deal. We had NAPE, uh, people recovering. What's happening in the rest of the world? One last quick NAPE story just while Let's we're go. here. So I don't know. Do y'all know John Linker? No. John Linker was longtime first reserve oil and gas investor. 
And John could take a complicated, messed up situation and make it a sentence. You know, he was just that guy he could summarize. Uh, and back there in kind of 05, 06, 07, peak crazy nape, uh, he was walking out. I was walking in and I go, John, what's going on in there, man? He goes, it's so great. Even the bankrupt companies have two booths. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I've got some uh, a, a couple across the pond stories that are interesting. Right. One is this is great, and we do have uh, Taiwan to talk about. We do in have the Taiwan. election stuff, so we'll close with that. This is interesting. So, Fran France has Total Energy, huge yeah. energy company. Their long-serving CEO says warns government because there, that there's a risk of mis-selling the energy transition. States must acknowledge the shift to less polluting system will lead to higher energy costs. Mm. So this is a guy, this is a company that's been pushing the boundaries of energy transition. And now they're going public with warning of the CEO is that by pushing the energy transition is just going to increase energy costs. And everyone needs to understand that. But why if renewables are so much cheaper than fossil fuels? That's what I always, I mean, that's what everyone's preaching on Twitter <coughs> and in the world that renewables are cheaper than fossil fuels. If that's true, then why do energy prices go up in an energy transition? Absolutely. Why are people, you know, the other day we were talking about LNG and uh, we're talking about LNG use in Africa and some guy was like, well, why would we get them on LNG when we have cheaper renewables? I'm like, hey, cheap, if there's cheaper renewables, why why does that prevent them from using renewables? So they'll choose renewables over LNG. And like, no one can ever answer that question of if renewables are cheaper, then well, why why does why does LNG stop renewables from being adopted? Why do you see electricity mm -hmm. prices in places like Germany go up with increased uh renewable energy even in texas it's happened well and I overlay mean, that with companies that are supposedly really greedy right and just care about money you know we hear that all the time They're yeah greedy energy greedy yeah. why aren't they choosing the the lowest cost <laughs> that's yeah. a that's a i mean oil and gas companies are capitalists if it were, if it were cheaper china would be doing nothing but renewables mm -hmm. that there is a dictatorship that's very smart very sophisticated uses a lot of energy, understands a lot of energy, and the fact that they're just plowing the world full of coal plants yeah. to this Which day. Which they are building lots of renewable energy, but it, to well, they're point, owning like the that's, supply chain too. I mean, that's yeah. the point. Yeah. Here, here's a question. Here's a trivia question for you. Do you remember the name of Denmark's state oil company? No. It was called Dong Energy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They rebranded. They were in. They they were in I remember meeting one of the executives of Dong Energy, and when she told me, "I'm with Dong Energy." Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Um, Dong Energy, Denmark state oil company. Um, they rebranded, and 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 Denmark being you know enlightened, they're like, "We're going away from oil and gas." So they became a wind company. They're now called Orsted. Okay. So Orsted, one of the leaders of renewables, um, they just uh, announced that they're uh, cutting costs or they're firing 600, 800 people. 
they're pausing their dividend payments. Um, they're selling assets and refocusing their business priorities because they've been getting killed in the wind business. They've been getting killed on offshore, offshore wind. Absolutely. So when subsidies, when, when you when when government stops subsidizing renewables, so this is this was actually a real well run oil and gas company. They just got woke and figured out that hey, let's go to renewables and be first. But they're paying the price, so they're actually in pretty. They're they're having a hard time. I wonder who Orsted sells off assets to, just because. I mean, you're the big dog in offshore wind. Doesn't seem like there's very much liquidity there compared to like an oil and gas company where you can spin off and you got a thousand different companies to sell something to. I wonder who's your who's your balance sheet repair vehicle. Yeah, yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, they're exiting markets and. Offshore markets, Norway, Spain, Portugal, deprioritizing Japan, and planning for leaner development costs, including floating offshore wind projects. So they're trying to figure out ways to make money, which is interesting. So you're hearing Total, you're hearing Siemens, you're hearing Orsted now saying like, whoa, whoa, hold the brakes because, you know, the subsidies aren't coming through. Yeah. Supply chain costs are getting more expensive. Um it's interesting to see how the the tide's turning. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting because if you go back to the the thought that renewable energy is the cheapest source of energy, that always doesn't doesn't seem to align with making money either, right? Yeah. And so, I actually posted something the other day. I don't know if y'all saw this, but. Uh, I think it was the lieutenant governor of Texas had posted that Texas was going to build natural gas plants. Did y'all see this? Yeah. Dan Uh, Patrick came out and said something to the effect of energy companies can build baseload natural gas or we're going to do it. Yeah. And so I tweeted out, I had this tweet that popped off. Hold on. I'm looking for it right now. Oh. I use, have y'all seen this meme where it's like Norman Rockwell painting of the guy standing up right. saying something? I said, if Texas is going to central plan and subsidize energy, it should be nuclear. And that tweet ended up taking off and doing well because I do think that there is a case that, you know, the, the, if you were to invest, if the state was to invest in energy and secure, reliable, and affordable energy, GDP would, would grow, right? And, um, so, it's like, hey, if nuclear doesn't make sense on an economic basis for private companies to do it, it could make sense for governments for to do it. Governments to do it. Yeah. And I think that the same could be said for, you know, renewables as well. But I always think about this when people are like renewables are the cheapest source of electricity. It's like it's great, but how do you make money as a <laughs> as a company doing that? And I think I think Going back to that remark, the other thing to think about too, which we've talked about on the show a million times, so this is beating a dead horse, but you can't just look at the price of an electron on the asset level. You have to think about battery storage, backup generation, transmission. You know, there's a lot of costs that go into that from end to end. Well, yeah, I mean, you basically have to start off with, um, because I, I I actually back in the day was for the energy only market, an energy only market being electricity's produced, thrown on the grid, you get paid for it, right? Well, then all the federal subsidies came in for for renewables, so in effect they would get built for free mm-hmm. through tax credits and the like, 
and then boom, they'd make money whenever they put electricity on the grid. And it's just gotten us to the point where we've teetered on the brink, like Winter Storm Uri and various other uh, summer events we have when it gets too hot. I think you're going to have to do something to tweak the market for a capacity payment of some sort, meaning, okay, wind and solar, if you don't deliver, you pay a penalty. Yeah. Because yeah. to your point, some, somebody's got to finance the backup. Well, the grid has to take it when they're generating anyway, by the way, when there's excess. So that's why prices in West Texas sometimes go negative. So there is grid, the grid, not only are there times when they're not producing when Texas needs it, especially when it's cold AF and the wind's not blowing, the sun's not shining, but also when there's excess, the grid still has to take that electricity, which is an issue. Yeah. They have to send it somewhere. I think it's funny because, you know, when we started the Empower Bitcoin Mining Conference a couple of years ago, like you'd hear these people that were mining Bitcoin off of stranded renewable assets. And I was like, if you actually take time to think about that, like a stranded renewable asset. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why is there even such thing as a why stranded renewable asset? Yeah. <laughs> like you have stranded gas because gas is, you know, associated with oil production. And so you're producing oil and you don't have takeaway capacity for the gas. That makes sense. But a stranded wind farm, it's like, how how was it economic for someone to build that and not have transmission or takeaway capacity? It's because it was subsidized. They got paid for subsidized. Just, just for building it. And so- One of our great oil tycoons did build a bunch of renewable assets in Texas. T-Boone? Because T-Boone. Yeah. I mean, T-Boone was- Big uh, ranch with a lot of uh, spots lot of wind. for wind turbines. Here's, here, so here's, here's a funny question. It's a story that just came out. Uh, and this is going hit, to hit home to digital wildcatters. A bunch of yoga instructors are <laughs> really upset with Lululemon because their supply chain is, as they grow, their supply chain is increasing their emissions. And yeah. so they're really, people are quitting and like, I'm lost because Lululemon is not who I thought <laughs> what they stood for because they are, their corporate pillars are be human, be well, be planet. Be planet. If they're not 100% renewable, people are quitting and, and pushing back. So their customers, their ambassadors are pushing back on the company because their supply chain emissions are growing as the company grows well you know there's this the problem with yeah the problem with these brands and i see like clothing brands that are trying to be started that are sustainable clothing brands and i'm like there's nothing you just by the very definition you can't manufacture something in china and ship it over on a boat to the united states and think that you don't have emissions (laughs) emissions and a carbon footprint right and so um they're okay. gonna have to buy offsets, which is which most um, consumers don't understand what that means. It means they're not really eliminating greenhouse gases. What they're doing okay. is they're buying some wind farm that has excess stranded excess yeah. capacity and yeah. saying, "Hey, somewhere in Iowa, the wind's blowing really hard. It's excess." Well, I saw some. I'm gonna buy credits against that. I saw and some still headline ship via barge. I diesel. saw some headline that the Super Bowl. Hold on. Let me let me find this. Let me Google this real quick. Um, but the headline was: This Super Bowl is the first Super Bowl ever powered 100 percent by solar energy. And 
at night. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You already knew where I was going with this, but uh, yeah. Super Bowl 58 to be the first fully powered by renewable energy. And so I thought that was funny because yeah, in the, in the evening at nighttime. And so what does that actually mean? And you know, I, I hate, they bought offsets and not only did they buy offsets, they bought cheap offsets because they're voluntary and they're not permitted. So going back to something you were talking about, Chuck, with um, the, a carbon tax or, or capacity, you know, the capacity markets where you're penalized if you don't participate, et cetera. Um, it's interesting. A lot of funny math out there. Yeah. yeah I think that there's so much grift that can't even so be much uncovered like my mom used markets. to say if it's bad don't do it <laughs> period you know well the who was it there was sometime last year there was a story of some company had like hundreds of millions of dollars of junk offsets sitting on their balance sheet that they had bought and it turned out like they weren't actually you know good offsets that had been verified and so all of a sudden they just had all of these offsets that they bought and weren't even weren't even viable and so companies like that how are you even supposed to know if what you're buying is quality offsets in the in the first place yeah i mean so. there will be standardization there and so <clears throat> they say, the vast but... majority will get at some point to where they're what people are agreeing to we can all then sit on the sidelines and go well that's just total bullshit because you kind of made up the fact that your plant was going to do a hundred million tons of this and you decided to do less, the world's a better place. Nah. Well, I don't know. Oh, because you, COVID you know, hit and our manufacturing plant didn't run for, for exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I but mean, there's going to be gaming of that system. Because at some Vita day and I was listening to someone talk and they're talking about Moji? how, yeah, with Moji, Moji's a good friend of mine. And anyway, someone was talking about, he started some Vita in my building. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, sister. Samvita is a fucking awesome. Uh, He's smart, awesome, dude. dude. They're so smart. Great friend of mine, too. Um, but someone was talking about, and they just made a comment about putting a price on carbon. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately because, you know, there's a subset of people out there that want a carbon tax and they want to put a price on carbon and tax oil and gas companies. I don't know if y'all saw this video from Elon Musk about a week or two ago, but he had this really long video talking about how there needs to be a carbon tax. And um, anyways, I always think about, okay, if we're going to tax carbon and <coughs> I, I kind of call it a phantom, phantom accounting. And it's these, you know, <clears throat> externalities that, yeah, you can measure, but it's, it's a little bit of a gray area. Then you think about, okay, well, shouldn't there be a price on reliable baseload energy as well? And kind of your point that you made earlier, Chuck, of, Hey, if you say that you have this much capacity and you do not deliver that, then you need to pay for it because yeah. there should also be a tax and a penalty on yeah. not having um, reliable and consistent energy. And so that's like, we can talk about a carbon tax and all these things, but let's also <laughs> tax the other inefficiencies in the system. That's a good point. So I don't think that, you know, it can just be one and not the other. I think you have to have a fair playing field. Probably so. Probably so. Yeah. All right. Close with Taiwan. Yeah. Back to our go. recurring series on this is the year of the election. Two billion people are going to vote. Seven out of the 10 largest democracies in the world are voting. 
geopolitically strategic folks are voting. And we had one of those in January with Taiwan. So just real quick to level set on Taiwan for everyone, you got a multi-party democracy. You do direct elections of the president and the vice president. Legislature has a single body, 113 members. So on January 13th, I haven't checked to see if that was a Friday or not, but uh, on January 13th, uh, Lai Chin T, who won an unprecedented third straight term as president, he's with the Democratic Progressive Party, the DPP. He got 40% of the vote. Uh, the opposition party, KMT, got about 33%. Their candidate did. And then the Taiwan's People Party, TPP, their candidate got 26% of the vote. What was interesting, though, is the KMT party got 52 seats in the legislature. DPP has 51 seats. The TPP have eight seats. I don't know who the other uh, two seats are. Very much divided government. Uh, obviously, very stri- strategic, right? Semiconductor industry, 50% of the world's container ships pass through the Taiwan Straits. And kind of where this impacts us and the reason to talk about it for just a second is the DPP are the most anti-Chinese of the parties. So China has not come out and publicly bashed the elections. They have frowned upon people like the United States, France, saying congratulations on the the election. So this kind of sets up the the tension, if you will, because if you think about it, they're the kid and the United States and China are mom and dad going through a divorce, if you will. And Taiwan's kind of sitting there in the middle. There are there are electronic components that we absolutely only buy and can only buy from Taiwan. So it is a very strategic island for the United States. And if China cut it off, we'd be in, we'd be screwed. So it's, it's a big issue. Uh, you know, That's China, why. China goes through a, a weaker economy. Is that maybe a flex, something they want to push? What happens if Trump gets back elected versus the way Biden's played it? I mean, we could dig all day into Biden versus Trump on China. And t- to Biden's credit, you could make a case that Biden's actually been tougher on China with some of the uh, embargoes he's put in place. I mean, Trump was certainly louder about bashing China, particularly in public. So, you know, that kind of the ghosts of Hong Kong sitting there. This is this is kind of one to watch because it's a bit of a powder keg there. Yeah, I don't have much to add to it because I don't know much about it. But, yeah. Um, while we're talking about foreign policy and affairs, did y'all watch the Putin and Tucker I Carlson did. I did. interview? I watched a little bit of it. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. I'm like an hour in, so I just got past the history lesson <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the beginning. Which is actually quite... Phenomenal. It was actually really fucking good. Everyone's bashing him for it, but he gave it off the top of his head. Dude, too. That's what I was like. It's actually terrifying to watch Putin talk and then watch Biden talk. I mean, and it's like different. he cares about his he cares about his history. Yeah, he does for sure. And so, anyways, I found it pretty fascinating. But um, yeah, I'm about halfway through it. So <clears throat> took me two. I fell asleep halfway <laughs> through the first time and second time I made it through, but. Um, it's interesting to one, 
I love that Tucker did that. Did y'all see the AOC video where when he got deplatformed from Fox News, AOC made this video celebrating it? And she's like, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Deplatforming works. His career's dead, yada, 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 yada. And then Tucker, which I'm not a huge fan of Tucker, but rises from the ashes. I mean, he's got watches, more followers and dude, he's and, fucking than, crushing I mean, he's it, trumped. man. Yeah. Trump, no pun intended, Fox News. I mean, yeah. he's, he's gone crushing it. And so I love to see him and Elon getting some views and wins over on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, they're talking talking a, a hundred million, two hundred million type views on this thing. Where yeah, on a good night on Fox News, he got four million. Yeah, views. You know, exactly. I, I'm gonna make a request. Yep. Moving forward, maybe every week, but we're gonna give an update on One World Petroleum. Yeah. <laughs> Because I just extended an invitation. The from- CEO, hey, if he's listening, Alex, I want to talk to him. Alex, I, <laughs> I pinged you on Instagram to Alex, come on the podcast. Alex, this is it. he. He says it's bold. He knows he didn't start. He's never had any oil and gas experience. But one of his hashtags is marketing ninja. Ooh. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Cont- had, content no is cattle the- or. I want let's let's update. If he's successful, we're gonna applaud, right? Like, yeah, that was the yeah. biggest, boldest move anyone has ever made. Content but if he crash is, and burns, you know, we're gonna let's say just be wow. clear, you know, I don't think that he's fraudulent or anything like that. I just think that he's gonna get his ass handed to him in oil and gas. Like it's much harder than either, mobile homes. So. Either, either that or he buys at the right time, winds up at $150 oil and talks about what a shrewd investment it all was. <laughs> so uh, God bless him. Yeah, on. commodity prices can either make you the the, the hero or the, the zero. You got a lot just just one out. last thing to, to close on Taiwan with is sitting there watching, it's really important. You were talking all those components that are essential we need for life. Also, it goes without saying, but let's say it anyway, for the energy transition to happen, it doesn't happen without Taiwan. This is true. You know, I mean, those, those, those critical component type pieces are coming through there. So absolutely. Speaking of, there's a great TV show on Netflix about the Taiwan, uh, mafia. I think it's called, forget the name of it. Um, I'll, I'll bring it up next week, but it's hilarious. They, they, one of the brothers has never been raised in the mafia. He doesn't know he's part of it. Mom <laughs> escapes Taiwan to raise him in L.A. Um, and then, then, then things shit happens. But the older brother is the assassin and sort of the man in line to be the next mafia boss of one of the big family crime families. And then his little brother is kind of a loser. I mean, smart, but he's like knows nothing about how to fight. Has no, he's too nice, and it's hilarious to see. It's a funny, funny show. I thought you were. I thought this was like a real documentary, but it sounds like it's. Uh, it's I, thought, <laughs> I thought we were going back to Mo's season one because it's not that. It's not that far. Chuck's, off. Chuck's gonna go audition. If anyone see it, we're gonna get some Twitter action on that. But I'll all right. Well, good show. We'll be back next week. Is Mark and Saul with us next week? So Mark is back with us, but you're gone. Oh, I'm is gone. That right? Yeah, I'm yeah. in Fort Worth next week. So Dude, your boy's you gonna there? have to anything to promote. 
Um, marketing ninja. Yeah, you know, I'm just doing marketing all, ninja stuff. All about uh, Clyde Pro, baby. Yeah, I hear it's flying, man. It is, man. Yeah. It's taken off, so it's been it's been fun. Congratulations, by yeah. the way. We're gonna start working with Nape soon. It sounds like I'm actually meeting with Nape in Fort Worth. So yeah, I'll get to talk yeah. to that team up there. So, all right, we will be back next week. Appreciate everyone tuning into the show. See y'all later.